and welcome to the Money Magic Podcast with Pangile Makwakwa. This is the podcast where we talk about trauma and how it affects our finances and our lives. I help women of color unlock ancestral wisdom so they can fall in love with their bank accounts, increase income, and live their best lives. This podcast was birthed when I started having conversations with private clients and students in my online courses about the remarkable shifts they'd had in their finances and started receiving feedback and updates from people on how these conversations were helping them understand their family dynamics and financial behavior. I've seen how unlocking ancestral wisdom has helped me pay off $60,000 in debt, buy property, launch and grow my company Wealthy Money into a six-figure business in US dollars as I travel and live in various countries on the globe. I've lived in over eight countries and traveled to many more as I built this company. My intention with this podcast is to provide you with weekly episodes that help you understand the importance of healing and help you understand your relationship with money better so you can start making different financial decisions and creating a life you love for yourself and future generations. So without further ado, let's get started and dive into this week's episode. So this is third time lucky. I've been starting this off. So thank you so much for joining us today. Today is episode 20. I cannot believe I've done 20 episodes of the series and at least 17 of them have been interviewing Money Magic, uh, Money Magic students. So if you've just joined us, my name is Vangile Makwakwa and I help women of color heal ancestral money trauma so that they can live their best lives and fall in love with their bank accounts. So I started this series to interview students in my course, the Money Magic course. And today my guest is Busi. Welcome Busi. Thank you for saying yes to this. Thanks Van. I really, um, I'm very excited to be here. <laughs> So Lucy, tell us, who are you and what do you do? Oh my goodness. Okay. The, you know, I think the longer, <laughs> a person, the longer a person leaves, the more difficult it is to answer that question because it just seems a, a few lifetimes, you know, it's not like a person goes through a few lifetimes and then how, do you, how short do you make it or how long do you make it? Mm. Uh, your introduction. Um, so yeah, so Busisi Weshajwayo, I was born and raised in Mamilodi. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm the middle child, uh, but my sister passed away, so I became the older child. Uh, studied in Mamilodi and then um, did my undergraduate at UP, uh, BCom. So I, yeah, we grew up in a very poor family and so I wanted to have money. And um, so there's one thing that I knew uh, was that I was smart, didn't have a lot. It was not athletic, but I just knew I'm smart. I loved books. That's mm -hmm. why I ran too, because I was not very good at playing, you know, good at, at these different games where we used to call them a stabura. 
<laughs> you know, yeah. you know, <laughs> so, uh, so you have your thing. So my thing was books, you know, so I was just read, oh. you know, so, um, yeah, so I saw this uh, career development book and then it said CAs and CAs do make a lot of money. I looked for a career that makes a lot of money and, and it was different that like, people were not talking about it. So it was going to be this wow. smart that is going to make me a lot of money. I didn't know what they did. I didn't know what it's about. But it said no a way. A <laughs> lot of money and, and, and fancy title. Uh, so, yeah. Uh, <laughs> so, yeah, I went to UP and, and studied BCom. Uh, yeah, for the first time struggled. So I knew I was smart, but for the first time really struggled in my studies. Mm-hmm. Um, I think a lot of it was just... Who um getting to a place where I think high school was always the smartest, and then getting to a place where wow, um now you're with people who are smarter, come from rich families, white people, black people, mm. people, people who look like they're at home in this environment, and all of a sudden you don't mm. feel so at home. But anyway, I finished and then went to Ernst and Young two years and in the middle of that I realized oh no this is not for me um and and what happened there there are a couple of things that happened when I was at Ernst Young one was I was having a discussion with someone who said uh uh oh we're talking about careers and work and home and I said ah black people are not into career development you know we're all into families and then he said no that's not true (laughs) and I was taken aback oh it's not and the other thing is that (laughs) so it was like wow I thought yeah just go to work and you come back and yeah and then you just deal with your family uh and she's he said no yeah, I'm like, wow, no. Um, yeah, I think I was very passive, you know. I was, I was, I, I came from that environment, you know. Trevor Noah speaks about it. Oh my goodness, it's going to be so long. <laughs> no, go for it. We love stories here. These interviews, people know that like wealthy money has long classes, long interviews. Time like, is yeah. not a factor for us. Yes, we love a- hearing people's stories. Go for okay. it. Okay, that's great. Because, wow, because, uh, yeah, yeah, I talk. But anyway, um, <laughs> so, uh, yeah, Trevor, about this, maybe this would also link into the money issues that we're going to talk about. But Trevor knows, speaks about how our education was not analytical, you know, how it was um, mm. descriptive. That's interesting. Very interesting. <gasps> I just had this conversation yeah. with Honey. Wow. Literally. So what you've just said was, um, I was just saying that on a lot of my travels, one of the things that's become very clear to me, the more I travel, is just how much opportunity there is in South Africa. So much opportunity. But that like a lot of the opportunities and a lot of the gaps are underutilized, right? And that there is a gap in entrepreneurship which we're going to talk about because this is what you do but there is this gap in entrepreneurship and that what I'm realizing it comes from is the way in which we're educated we're educated to sit down hear from the teacher take things in regurgitate take it back out so I was just saying that like um 
I feel that like that type of education for children and even for us as adults has really stunted us as adults. Like I feel like a huge part of where my shifts happen were through my travels, literally, was through like, like you, right? Having discussions with people who are just like completely different. And I'm not gonna lie though, both my parents are entrepreneurs. So they always had side hustles. And my dad had a full-time business, has a full-time business as a pharmacist. So I grew up seeing that. And then like on my dad's side of the family, I grew up seeing everyone, almost everyone has a full-time business and that's how they make their living. But still, I still feel like I tried my best not to go down that route because it was like not the route that people were giving to me as options. And I feel like when I started traveling, I met people who were like, dude, you travel, you can't keep traveling, getting a job, traveling, getting a job. (laughs) So like, they kind of like opened up my opportunities for me within like, from the time I was like maybe 22, 23. And that was the end for me. So I feel like life didn't give me much, too many options. It just thrust things on me. But that came from the travels because I think maybe if I'd stayed in South Africa, it would be different. I would have been a whole different person. Yeah, that's true. That's true. And I think also that's why when we work with you, challenges so much because I guess it's that uh, (laughs) what you gain from from where you were. But yeah, so uh, I I think um, because the system is that there is one answer and it's the right answer and you're just supposed to learn, remember the answer and regurgitate it. Um, you did not feel, you, so you were not taught agency and you were not taught personal responsibility for your life. You were just taught, you know, if you study and you pass well, you'll get a bursary and then go to university pass. And after that, your, your, you know, your whole life is, it's just going to work. So there was no that thing that you need to understand who you are, what you like, and then build that life. And it's up to you, you know? So I yes. got, you know, so I got to Ernestine Young and I acted like it was at school. <laughs> like, I'm just <laughs> to class and do what I'm supposed to do and then out the other way, whilst um, um, other people were entrepreneurial about their, where they are, you know, what kind of clients am I getting, what teams am I getting, how do I perform, and wow. where is that going to take me to, you know, that, that, that concept of realizing that everything that I'm doing is for, I have agency, and I can choose my mm-hmm. path, and I have a responsibility to make it happen. And that you can craft your own career. Nobody taught us this, though. Where do we learn this, that you can come into a company? It's, aren't we just taught, like, Musi, I'm listening to you. Aren't we just taught that what I know from having a career is you're lucky to have a job. You come in, you work hard, and then maybe you stand out to your bosses, and then they give you another opportunity. You get a promotion. You get this review. But this thing of you can even craft and choose the teams you get on mm. and like choosing your own career path. Yeah. No. Yeah. Yeah. To, yeah. So I was that very, yeah. So I was just 
there very <laughs> sleepy basically like a cop so walking <laughs> And I thought it was all that as well, smart. But <laughs> anyway. I mean, you are smart. You work, you got into Ernest and yeah. You and know, you, <laughs> you know, so uh, yeah, but gosh. So now um, I was very, church, I was very religious then. I used to go to church a lot. Um, uh, and then I met this girl. This girl came with her boyfriend, uh, who then later became her husband. And then, um, so we formed this relationship. I'm very active at church. I read, I'm well-known, I'm invited here and there to talk about church stuff because I'm a reader. I read and I think, uh, I think, I think my gift is to absorb information and, and teach it to others. I think that's, that's the thing that I do, whether I'm doing it somewhere or I'm doing it with friends. That's what I do. Mm -hmm. I learn and then I'm sharing. So I would read a lot, read a lot of religious books, the Bible. I think I read the Bible through probably three times. Somewhere. No. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Read wow. Yeah. From cover to cover. From cover to cover. Yeah. Yeah. Oh my goodness. <laughs> yeah, so. I can't. Like, I can't even <laughs> believe it. Who are you? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So then it was really religious and really... Uh, also, maybe we're also going to speak about that, that the, the, the vow of perfection and, and wanting to please. Yeah. So this thing and I needed to please. Plus, um, at 15, I felt pregnant and the shame. Um, so I wanted to work my yeah. way back into church and show to them that I'm, I'm a redeemable sure. person and all that. But anyway, so I was very active there, church. Um, and then, um, so this girl says, oh, my word, you know, so we started talking she's very career orientated and I think I was going to an I don't know what would I think we talked about interviews and she's like oh you prepare for an interview I'm like you prepare for an interview she's like yeah you study I'm like you study wow and then she's like okay we see just read religious books read other books <laughs> and oh, wow like, career related books hey um how, how she changed my life <laughs> she wow. really so up until then you didn't know that you could read other books apart from no. religious books no i also came from a very fundamentalist religion not that they don't allow us to read other books but it was very fundamentalist religion there was all that whole us and them and you will be deceived you know be careful what you're reading etc etc not that they were saying we shouldn't read uh, business books but there was just this whole thing about us and them we're preparing for heaven we we're moving about so focus on the heavenly things and not the earthly things you know so <laughs> so i didn't this you is know deep. this is deep you know very interesting wow and and, and and so I started reading and books became my mentors, you know, um, because yes, uh, I think I had a lot of role models at church because our uh, church had very, very successful people. And because you work in committees, so you get to be in committees with very, the CEOs, very, very influential people, although there was not much talk about the business side because we here we're talking church. 
So there was not mm. so much talk about how you build your career, where they got to. It was just that this whole admiration of, wow, you've made it. But we just really don't really talk about that. And there was also issues of, oh, if you talk about that, then you think you're all that. And it's earthly things. We're going to heaven. Oh. And you're busy, you know, flaunting your money. <laughs> <laughs> you know? I think even people who wanted to talk about that felt like, uh, maybe I should. Yeah. We don't want to disturb our heavenly journey, man. You know, and like, I don't want to disturb other people who are on this heavenly journey. And I'm going to, yeah. So, um, so they were role models in terms of, wow, they're well accomplished. They drive nice cars, but we never really got to talk about how, how do you do this, you know? Mm. So books then started, started reading and oh my goodness, then I'm suddenly reading. And, and there was one book, I think I told you once about it. Uh, I don't remember the name, I always say, but there was that one chapter that said, how do you double your income, how to double your, if you're working, how to double your income in 90 days. And then they talked about yeah. what to what do you implement in it? It's all about, you know, seek feedback, uh, understand. I, I don't even remember a lot of things that were there, um, but, you know, work hard, be the first, understand the company, understand what you're doing so that you can see how you um, position yourself, etc. So I read that and then, and then started applying it um, and then started talking to people. Oh, yes, I'd, I had failed my CTA and I was frustrated. I was owing them, so I couldn't, I couldn't, I couldn't, I couldn't register again. So just properly frustrated because at Ernst Young, in the accounting firms, the first thing people ask you, which level are you, you know? And if you don't have CTA, yeah. then you can write board. Then, then it's just a big frustration because it's all about... Yeah, where, where are you in this route to being a CA? So it's just really frustrating. And I so sure. spoke to someone and they said, no, man, um, go to industry, go work in industry, sort yourself out. You can come back later. Then, um, yeah, just apply those principles that I've learned. Yes, and in 90 days, I was in a, uh, I had moved to a government job and I was earning double that. So I did. <laughs> I did double my income in 90 days. Um, but just got there, applied those principles. And within a year, I was promoted. Um, they actually came to me and said, there's this position and we want you. Was promoted within that year, within two. I stayed in, in, uh, in Grodex in front eight years. And every almost every two years, I, I got promoted four times, I think there. So every two no years, way. I was getting promoted. Just applying those principles and continuously uh, reading and learning and I think that's when I got to your book because that's, that's when I found your book because um, I used to because <laughs> you just, were on the path now yeah I was I used to go you to were looking at earthly things <laughs> you know like I was looking at but I'll tell you I told an interesting thing about your book uh, so I used to go to so I couldn't afford to buy all these books and I'm a fast reader so I'd go to exclusive books yeah. on weekends when you used to have those exclusive books that are close to a coffee shop and you could go and sit there and, and read. And I think uh, I read it and I thought it was interesting, but you had references to uh, Buddha and stuff. And I was like, no, this is going to deceive me and lift me out of the pie. No. <laughs> and I did read the book. It was an interesting concept, the whole emotions and money. <laughs> 
find it so interesting, but oh my goodness, I can't, I can't, I can't engage this book, Greek. Oh my goodness, Buddha, oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> so you're reading, but you're like, can you just stop talking about Buddha and Buddhism? Can you just stop? If you could just stop, if you could just stop, because I understand what you're saying. I've never read about it, but I understand it. But wow, if you could just to leave the references to the other gods. <laughs> um so got there and then uh, funny enough buddha is not a god though you know that i can see how like when you're coming from a different um stream of um from a different religion people think buddhism is real is religion buddhism is not it's a school of thought and i guess like it could be argued that it's spirituality but it's not religion there is no God and Buddhism in its purest form. But think, but think about it. <laughs> Sorry, I, I live in Sri Lanka. It's a Buddhist country. So I know more about Buddhism than I should actually. But think than I would otherwise. It. I'm sorry. But think about it. I come from uh, a, 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 my church is so fundamentalist that we think we're different Christians than normal Christians. We used to think we you know no. special kind of christianity that is different from other christians so 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 you can imagine then if you move to the, oh my goodness it's even worse <laughs> you know <laughs> well, i traumatized you like that you know? was so dramatic. you know so anyway yeah so i moved to the i, I got another promotion moved to the risk management department then studied uh and and advanced a program in risk management, then uh, studied an MBA because I thought I want to be uh, in business. But the MBA did nothing for the business. It was uh, an executive MBA. So it just teach you how to run big businesses that are already there, no starting. Isn't you know? that what MBAs do though? <laughs> Sorry guys, as a fellow MBA, yeah. that's literally what MBAs do. They don't teach you how to start a business. Yeah. Which is why I love we're going to come to what you do yes, now, I, which is why I'm, a, I'm in love with what you do, because goodness. that is what teaches people how to run a business. Yeah. But Alas, so you did the MBA? <laughs> yeah, I did the MBA, then went, uh, moved to Cape Town, then went and started a business. Then, oh, yes, I went into coaching, uh, trained as a yeah. coach. Yeah, I love people. Yeah, and um, I was very was a I think yeah was a fixer, <laughs> fixed everybody. So in my family, <laughs> so I I I I came from a very volatile family. My sister was very volatile. My younger sister also, and then I was the peacemaker, the fixer in the family. So I continued that thing <laughs> into other people. Um, so yeah, I went into coaching, um, then started a business. And then when I started, I'm starting it like an employee, you know, mm-hmm. I just think if you have a qualification, if I have a qualification, Tell us what do you mean by that? If I have a qualification and I have a website and I have an office, then clients will come to me. But Boosie, that's what everybody tells us at MBA school. (laughs) If I do that, this is literally what they taught me, guys. (laughs) (laughs) 
I start, I put up the website, mm -hmm. I do everything and clients are going to come to me. What can possibly be wrong with that? What? <laughs> you know, and yeah, so I sit there in this office, rent is going and I'm crying. <laughs> coming, and, and my mind is running out. And I, you know, I went to this um, training. The training that I chose was, I, cho I chose it because it also had business um, the business side, and then they tell you, you know, if you push traffic into your website, you'll get business, um, then no business, mm. months are going, you know, I remember this yeah. one time that Tina found me crying in the office, like, because oh. <laughs> what, oh my gosh. the promise is not working, you know, oh my gosh, um, but that's the thing, right? Like, but don't we all do that now? Like, if I want to be in business, start a website. All yeah. people have to do is they have to land on your website and then yeah. you'll start getting business and sales yeah. and people will book with you. Yeah, I, I even, I, call, okay, I did some radio interviews and I thought, yeah, some people will hear from me from radio and then, yeah, I'll get business in a, and then that just didn't happen. Came, came back, went back, worked for a few um uh, uh details again worked for Joburg Water, worked for CETA, and then uh, now working for the uh, after Becoming Innovation, yeah. running the Becoming Innovation Entrepreneurship course, which is where I am now for the second year. Yes, yes, yes. Oh, oh and yeah, and then the business also moved to Black Women in the Workplace, which is coaching for Black women in the workplace to so help them do what I did, uh, double their income in, uh, in three months. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, I know. The business is cool. Are you still coaching? Um, uh, we shall talk about that. I think what, oh gosh, I think when, I'm, when I get to it, I'm really going to get into the money magic stuff. But I really... I think uh, a lot of what I was doing with the coaching one was the running away because of the valve perfection. So if I, uh, if I, if, if I stay long enough, you guys will find out that I'm not as good. So uh, if yeah. I, I have to be perfect. And then if I'm not perfect, then oh my word that is so dangerous so if i stay long enough um you guys will find out so i must just leave and so that whole thing i want to be in business and i think the coaching was also you know dr demartini talks about we give people what we feel we require most mm. and i yeah true, and I, true. yeah yeah, and I think, um, so during lockdown, I just really thought about it. I just got to a point where I was like, huh, don't feel like doing this anymore. And and funny <laughs> enough, yeah, and funny enough, it was after that the business was it broke through. Now I'm getting clients and I feel like, huh, okay. I think I just needed to do it to get it to to because I think I struggled for business with business for years. I remember even when I came to be yeah. coached by you and after you coached me yeah. to business principles, the business breakthrough started having clients with proper money. Yeah. <laughs> you know <laughs> I remember but I resonated so much with your story when you came to me as a client like the first business being in business not making any money or having like one or two clients being in business for years 
and not having clients or money. So that's why I think like I could resonate and do the work with you. Yeah. I feel like those are actually the kinds of clients that I love, you know, because yeah. I'm like, oh my gosh. And then of course I've now, now, and I also think that we, we get clients that reflect who we are and who we are, oh, who we were and who we are, right? Mm -hmm. So I tend to get clients that are that and clients who are also like in high growth businesses. And then yeah. we can like figure that out. But yeah. like, I know that feeling and there's nothing more frustrating than you're giving, giving, giving in your business and there's no money coming in. Nothing. Yeah. and it is dry guys that until you've done that you will not understand the frustration i think really the key emotion is frustration for me it was frustration and anger like i was like and rejection so much yeah yeah and it feels personal right yeah it feels That's like these people are now rejecting me yeah. Yeah. this is the problem yeah. they're rejecting everything that i am and then it feels personal I think yeah. that's the hard thing. Yeah. So I think, uh, yeah, during the, the, the holiday, I was like, no, I think I'm good. I'm good. I may pick this up later, but I'm, I'm good. I'm good. And, and I think the, the few times where I give up on my business, it used to be so heavy. I felt like, oh, you failed again. Mm. Oh, I'm embarrassed to even tell people. Oh, my goodness. But now it feels like, no. I'm wrapping it up, putting on the sides. I'm going to pick it up again. But yeah, I'm good, yeah. you know, uh, which is yeah. so different. It's not loaded uh, yeah. with, with guilt and shame exactly. and the feeling of failure. It just felt like, oh, no, it's time. It's time. Yeah. And also, I can also say this, right? Like that sometimes the business can be doing extremely well and that you can decide that, yeah. Mm, this path is no longer for me. Like we've just, before we started this, I was just having a conversation with you. I'm like, I think at the end of 2021, I may wrap up one-on-one -on -one coaching because my one-on-one -on -one coaching books out like six months in advance. Like right now, I don't, I like, I'm fully booked up until May, 2021. Mm -hmm. And then I'm like, okay, I may open up for maybe a few clients in June. But then I feel like maybe that will be it for this part of the business because I want to focus more on masterminds and group coaching and things like that. And that is also okay. That sometimes you get to a point where you go, I am much more interested. And also I want to do more retreats, right? I don't know what COVID is going to be like in 2022, but in my head, I'm already thinking, I really would love 2022 to be, um, the time when I'm also doing more retreats and groups and things like that. And there's no reason for me to wrap up the one-on-one. -on -one. It just feels like energetically feeling into it. I'm like, it takes a lot of energy to hold space for one human soul. But I love groups because collective energy, it's like everybody is holding space. Yes, you're holding the majority of the space, but it's collective. So there's this thing that like we keep doing something even when mm. we don't want our 
we can see that like, oh, I want to evolve in a different way, but because it's good, you keep at it. And mm. my fear is that if I keep at this and I don't listen to what my heart is asking of me to explore, I may um, end up resenting this part mm. of the business. So why not pack it, put it aside, train other people like you were suggesting to be coaches and then like, Go do the things that are calling me right now. Yes, yes. And, and that moves. That is a sign of the fear is gone, you know? Mm. Yeah, this mm. fear that we sit with uh, at work where we're like, I can't leave because, oh my goodness, or I can't leave yeah. this business. Oh my goodness, there's, there, there's no money. There won't be any money. Yeah. When, when you can listen to your soul, then the fear has yeah. left, you know? Yeah. yeah. But I also think sometimes we hang on to things and in holding on to things, we stop the evolution of our souls and we stop our own exploration. Because yeah. that's the thing. It's that sometimes... Like, yeah, I can stop this one section of my business, but it also gives me time to then explore the other things that I'm so interested in that I'm starting to get such fascination in, you know? So then like you give yourself that permission. But, and I feel like even with jobs, we do that. It's like, this is the only job that I have. What if I allow, what if I go to this other industry, I know nothing, or I change career paths altogether and then I don't make the same amount of money. But it's like, but what if you continue on this path and then you stagnate because it no longer brings your soul alive? And then like we're looking at like 60 years or like, I don't know, 30 years of working, 40 years. And it's like, you are not alive. Yeah. That happens all the time with work. That's that's the story of many working people. It's like they sit there and then the service is terrible. They're very angry because, yeah, they feel like I don't want to be here. I don't want to be here. Yeah. Yeah. So it's difficult for everyone who has to deal with them. It's just, yeah, it's just that story of, I cannot trust, I'm unsafe, which is what you talk about as well in the work that that, that feeling of safety, the feeling of, is the world safe? Yes. Yeah. 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 Wow. So, Busi, I wanted to also talk a bit about what you do in after, before we go into the usual questions of money and everything, because... What, you, what we're speaking about now is literally about career growth and we're also talking about entrepreneurship. And I feel like often people are told that you can be one or the other, right? Yeah. That you're either one or the other. But what I love about you is that you started off, you started off in the workplace, you went into entrepreneurship, you went back into the workplace and now you're doing both, right? Yeah. And not only that, but you teach uh, entrepreneurship at AFTA. So tell us a little about what you do at AFTA because, guys, whatever you're doing right now, if you've got kids and they're looking for varsities and everything, you may want to just, like, stop whatever you're doing and listen to what this program is like because I am blown away. I mean, I was invited to this program and I was blown away. 
over to yeah. you. Lucy. Oh my God. I also can't stop speaking about it. I just think it's it's amazing. I was like, <laughs> you know, I was like, wow, that's amazing. Because I got it, you know. I, I was a BCom yeah. student and I started a company yeah. so I got it. So I was very excited to be part yeah. of the program. So after is uh it's the um, it's, it started as a film school 25 years ago, very interestingly. It started as a film school. And even the way it was started, it was very entrepreneur, entrepreneurial in that the founders were three friends and um, they had a couple of equipment and they rented the place where they were working and then started getting two or three, four, five, you know, I don't know. I think they started with eight students and then they just taught them how to create films And then the more money they were making, they just added into the business. And, um, and then they, and then they, they branched into TV, into acting, into music, a bit of animation. It just grew and grew and grew. And then the whole, um, uh, oh, and then four, five years ago, they decided to start the BCom. So the whole pedagogy or the strategy, the, the learning strategy at AFTA is that students um, are put into groups. So it's group learning and applied learning. So with regards to our BCom, uh, students are put into groups of five based. Um, so we've got five disciplines, marketing, finance, management, um, business leadership, management and operations, uh, business leadership, and digital technology. So the students then um, become part of that group, and they also learn entrepreneurship, innovation, entrepreneurship. They come, they become part of that group from first year, you know? I mean, we learn about syndicate learning from, there's a lot of syndicate learning in postgraduate studies, you know? What is syndicate learning? Because I also don't know what that is. Yeah, so (laughs) when you you do your MBA, you put in a group and then you have to- Oh gosh. (laughs) I'm like, literally, that was my nightmare. Although I speak to some of my group members still, but nightmare-ville. Um, I love my group members and I'm still friends with all of them from the MBA program. Wow. I've actually been to Madagascar to visit one of them. Yeah. I have um, weekly calls uh, like uh, twice a month. I have a call with one of them also. She's now in Canada. So yeah. like, it's just amazing. And another one just went, um, moved to India, moved back to India. So I'm going to, we reconnected via Facebook it's interesting. It's fascinating. It's interesting. So yeah, because one of my group members is my CEO. So yeah, <laughs> that I think that's also part of the uh, allure of an MBA that you meet people like that. Yeah. But we do. So you can imagine how difficult it was. We do it from first year on. So in first oh. year, you're already working with other people and how other people act impact on your marks. So that frustration builds it's real it's real like i feel sorry for them i feel sorry like wow this is hard but yeah i feel sorry but wow what you are building now is a skill that you're going to use all your life because some of us first worked with other people when we got to work for the first time You know? Wow. That is crazy. You know? Wow. 
Really? Yeah, and like, you know, at UCT, they would make us just like choose your groups. And then it's like, you choose your friends and then like you all kind mm -hmm. of like do everything. But like, I think what frustrated me about the MBA program is that some things were not choices. You had yeah. no option. Like you were just put into a team and like, you had so many different teams. Like for my entrepreneurship, I had a different team. My marketing had a different team. Everything was groups, groups, groups. I was like, shoot me now. But what yeah. did I just say to you when before we started the interview? I could <laughs> not do what I do in Wealthy Money without a team. Yes, <laughs> yes. So yes. I realize now how that built me. It frustrated me when I was in the program because like every subject you are in this group, that group, different groups. So you're going from group to group and you're doing things. It's just like, please just shoot me, put me out of my misery right now. Yeah. But then now I look at it and I'm like, wow, yeah. those skills and that frustration built me like yeah. it. Like literally now everything I do within Wealthy Money and within the podcast, within the Property Magicians podcast, within my property company um, that I run with Honey, it's like everything is teamwork. That's yes. how I'm able to do so many different yes. things. Yes, yes. And, and actually research shows that um, uh, venture capitalists back uh, or, or invest in teams because if you're the only person... And you, you, you can only be good at something. You're a specialist. You're good at something. But you have other people who are good at other things. And when you come together, you form a stronger unit. And also, if you're one person and one big thing happens in your life, the business is gone because you are now emotionally unavailable. So that whole group work and and also understand yeah and that sharing economy knowing that I just need to be me because I think the biggest thing when I was running the company was that that now you're an entrepreneur and you now you need to be as good at admin and I'm good at what uh, I'm good at coaching I know put a client in front of me I will, I will change their lives. But now I must be a good marketer, must be good at social media, good at admin. Oh, cold call. Goodness. <laughs> how? No. Finances. Exactly. Like, how ah. do you do that? You, you know? know, like literally, and I see it all the time as entrepreneurs grow, the thing that stagnates a lot of people from up leveling and growing is the team is that like they haven't built a solid team around them and that you have to be literally willing to let go of things, you know? So, and that's a lot of like, and I think this comes back and ties to what we talk about in Wealthy Money, which is a lot of like healing your own wounds, you know, like I look at how I was in the MBA program as a team member, by the way, I was the team member from how I like, <laughs> I, I, I was the one that this said over it when you say because you're so it's such a disciplined person. But when I hear about you as a student, I'm like, what happened? <laughs> I was I was acting from my wounds, right? Mm. Like I was the worst. Like I would if things were not going my way or people brought topics and the topic that was being suggested was not the one that I wanted. The group would have how 
for the duration of the project. You know, it's just like, it was just hellish. When I look at that, I'm like, wow, that was hellish. Yeah. You know? the, the beauty, I think, of what you guys are doing is that at some point you get to see yourself, yeah. you know? Yeah. Because you're in a team and people yeah. in the team start to react like, in a particular manner to yeah. you. Yeah. Um, and so it starts to reflect you mm. and mm. things. So I started like thinking about things, but then here's where I went to the extreme. I went from the team member from how to, oh my God, people need to like me. Now I need to agree to everything. Oh my goodness. <laughs> So then I become, became a people pleaser because now I was hellish. Things were not happy. I remember one student writing a long email. Long, long. Now we're friends, right? Like, I must say, though, like, my journey has been crazy. But people, like, forgave me along the way because I've done so much work on it. But, like, this one friend of mine, she was in the group and she wrote a very long email to me and CC the group explaining how hellish it was to have me on the team. Even though I was creative and I was innovative and I was pushing people, but things like that cause you to look at yourself. And I think I learned that in grad school, thank God I went to grad school at 25 and I learned that super early. Yeah. But your students are learning it in their teens. In their that teens, is amazing. In in their teens, and um, yeah, that I love that I love what you said about being a difficult part of the member and being smart because it's not necessarily about not being smart. You know, you can be the smartest yeah. and the hardest working, but you're terrible in a team because <laughs> you don't know how to negotiate relationships, how to yeah. give take how to pull back um so uh, oh how to oh now you want to work and you want everybody to work right now (laughs) you are working like and others and the students will be like no you're not my father I don't want to work right now like you know so so I, I mean they get to negotiate that yes when they're 18 when they're 19 it's hard but you can see how they grow, you know, you can see them growing. Yeah. Um, it's because they do this every semester, they have a new group. So first semester, they have this group, sure. they start with the business idea, and then they must go and research it. Um, they must present, they present it to us, and then they must go and, and then give them feedback. They must go to the market and market research it and come back and present uh, how they perverted that business idea based on the research, and then uh, we give them feedback, and they must go do create their prototype, come back and 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 present it, and give them feedback, and they must go and monetize it, come back and we give them feedback, and then they have the final. So wait, hold up, because I love this. We're talking about money, right? <laughs> yeah. They must go and monetize it. So guys, when Busi told me this, I almost I was just like, no. Every student needs to go to AFDA. Yeah. The, the students need to go make money from the business to get yeah. like some, I, you guys don't believe in grades, but whatever it is that you do the pass and everything, but the students have to go and try and make at least some money from the business yeah. concept mm-hmm. as a team. 
Yeah, yeah. And we, we didn't start like that and we, and we moved it to that. And we saw when we started, they had these amazing ideas, huge ideas. Oh my goodness, they're going to change the world. Uh, but when you say, but how are you going to make money? That changes everything, you know, because, wow. wow, I have to make it real because what am I selling? How much am I selling for? How much does it cost for me to create it? And I did find, uh, and maybe it's, 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 a, it's a South African issue, maybe with that trauma with money, that in the beginning also would find that students would want to, because we, we talk about an African entrepreneur. So an African mm-hmm. who realizes the problems that they have and creates businesses out of those problems, the problems that the community has mm-hmm. and create businesses out of those problems. If you can think of the biggest, um, most beautiful example of that is M-Pesa, M-Pesa which is the mobile money um, app that was created in Kenya. And, and yeah. there was the best of mobile money in, in the world. Yeah. It came from South yeah. Africa, you know, because we have issues wow. with unbanked. Yes, it, it came from Africa. I mean, it came from Kenya. And it was based also yeah. on, on the innovation of Vodacom, a prepaid. Um, prepaid uh, oh. Yeah. So it was built on that idea. When, when, um, so so these, these, these entrepreneurs oh. from Kenya came up with a, uh, a way of, even if you don't have a bank, you are able to, um, exchange money and it could only happen in Africa because most of us were unbanked you know we're, we're very uh, a bank the banking system is is not accessible to everyone yeah, so like, yeah. Oh, okay, so you can actually buy money and get prepaid so can we also exchange money through this phone and and that mm. was created. but what I liked about it is that it was it's it's not a charity it's a business yeah and that's it's what we business. did that's what we needed to teach students that you can you can save the children you can save your community but you can make it a money making business you can do them both you don't have to burn to make other people warm you know you can <laughs> i you love know? that you must sacrifice yourself. You must suffer, so you can change your community. No, sure. you can change your community. No, so were you even? I'm very fascinated by this because a lot of people watching this are moms, and they think that all they have to do is give children a good education, and then that changes their money story. But you are seeing this, and it's funny because I hopped on a call with you after the evaluations, and I was like the students are still not comfortable talking about the money. Like I could sense it, right? And like, we think that just give your children the best education and that somehow changes the Mm -hmm. money conversation. So have you been able to see how just saying go and make money, how that introduces a whole new dynamic to the students in the in your in your courses in the at the university? It's, it's, it's hard. Um, yeah, I remember we had a group that wanted to do, what did they want to do? Oh, yes, it was a cancer curing uh, thing. And yeah, um, yeah. Uh, actually, it was Tando's group. Uh, and then they had to move oh. to, 
Yeah, so for the 2020 project, they ended up with the, with the virtual consultation app. But they struggled. They wanted to, we'll do an NGO and then we'll go and get CIS. I'm like, no, I'm not taking any business that doesn't make money. From <laughs> you know, yeah. yeah. So it's very difficult. Wow. One, and two, yeah, it's difficult. And then two, there's also the pricing. It's always 10 rands if they create a pricing. Ooh. It's always 10 rands, 20 rands, 15 rands. And I'm like, have you checked other apps? Oh, wow. How much do they charge? So it's that, yeah. And, 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 and yeah, it's a struggle to still uh, very much a struggle for the numbers. Um, and you, you're right, because I also, I was a, I was, I mean, I was a BCom student. I was, I've always been a finance student all my life. Mm-hmm. But I struggled mm-hmm. with my finances. It didn't help me. Yeah. It didn't help me to be successful in business. I mean, yeah. I, I hate doing my finances. I always get someone. If there's some, I, I, I didn't delegate a lot in my job, in my company. But that part, I delegated, you know? <laughs> you know the, the was like, oh, my goodness. I'm not going through that. I don't want to think about that. Yeah. So that, um, yeah, I was actually telling you about my friend who says he doesn't call money ipasel. You know, it comes yeah. from where we don't yeah. have conversations about money. Money is a difficult thing that yeah. people it like they like, but they don't like. I think money and sex, uh, and, 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 and if you think about it, those are the two things that we take with through life, relationships and money. And those are the two things that we yes. don't have about, money and sex. We never want to discuss those, right? Although I found people much more willing to have discussions on sex than they are on money. On money. You know? You know? So it's very, very fascinating because I think that once you add the pricing dynamic and you say to the students, go and make money now, it ceases to, that for me was the shock of my system with my first company. It was like, I had the perfect business plan. It even won prizes. It was fantastic. Then I had to go out. Yeah. And I spent my, the first four years of my first company making this classical mistake, trying to make the reality fit my business plan. My goodness. You know, everything that was happening in the business I needed it to fit the business plan. If it didn't fit, fit the business plan, I was doing something wrong. Oh my With wealthy money, I have like a one-page business plan. Yeah. Now, actually, as we speak, I have a mind map for yeah. my business plan. Yeah. Yeah. And that's how this company has continued to grow. Yeah. You know, it's like I, I've had to learn because nobody taught me at school. Yeah. At school, I was taught, do the business plan and then you work from the business plan. But as what I, I think what I learned with the epic failure of the first company was that actually life will never model what our theories and our plans are. So chuck out the plan, have like a basic strategy and allow yourself to be flexible with whatever is happening, you know? So if something is coming up here and you didn't have it in your business plan, it doesn't mean that you're failing. It's just like life is happening, yeah. you know? Yeah. 
And that was it. But I wish that they had taught that at school. So what I love about you guys doing the monetization and asking them to go out because you have them do the feasibility studies, you have them then do the business plan, then you guys go, go make some money. Like if you want to graduate, go get some money in the bank from this business plan. Then the reality hits them ASAP. In, in a, I think, a beautiful setting that still protects them. Unlike for most of us, where it's like out of school, where the first reality hit us. So now they know that they can't just build a website and think that just uh, people will come and buy from them. That just because you show up on a media article and you do interviews and everything, that's what leads to sales. And, and so you make money, you know, you're always in these interviews and that means you're making a lot of money. No. No. In fact, there comes a time when you're like, I need to turn down some interviews. I got to that, uh, yes. especially because I learned from the first company yeah. with Wealthy Money. I started, I got to that really fast. I was like, I need to be strategic about what mm. it is that I'm doing in these interviews. Yeah. Because, oh, I see that I'm not making money. I'm not, I was like very clear. I was like, I'm not going down that path again. Yeah. No, I'm not going down that path make money yeah yeah and then you get trapped because like here the numbers on social media look good you're in this interview you've just done a tv interview you've done a radio interview you've done this i was like nope Mm -hmm. everyone in wealthy money knows the numbers that count it's the revenue those are the numbers that we're looking at oh it's great that our social media following has increased but mm. how has it impacted our bottom line? Exactly. I exactly. learned from the very first company tanking that though there's numbers that matter and there's numbers that are great numbers. But most important is without money, guys, a business cannot continue to run. Money no. is the lifeblood of every business. Oh my goodness. I really love what you said about how you were would run your company based on the business plan you know (laughs) continuously is this um and and i think that's also what students struggle with where and and that's what monetization forces you to do so yeah where they come up they hypothesize their business idea this is how businesses are market this is how we make money etc and then they go to the market do market research and the market says something different the market says, no, that's expensive. <laughs> oh, we don't like it this way. We don't like it this way. Oh, they can't do their research and then come back. And like, yeah, the market says this. The market says, okay, so what is your final like, business idea? It's still the same. Hello, your market <laughs> told you. <laughs> we don't want it. Oh, we don't want it this way. <laughs> you know, what are you doing about that information? You know, and that's and that's what monetization forces you to do because you are there with your with your staff and the market says no not not at this price not at this so we teach them to take the feedback and reapply it so that whole um that old idea for business plan 
away doesn't work because you have to be really agile. The world is changing mm. so quickly all the time that you have to put your ear on the ground and listen to the market and keep pivoting. Yeah. I mean, I was I'm, when now when I listen to even these big companies, Google and them, and you, when you learn their stories from where they started and how many times they had to pivot. And what I like about our business, um, the way we teach the students is that we give them feedback and they have, so they have worked so hard and they think, oh my goodness, the pitch is amazing. And then we're like, but doesn't make this sense. And I'm like, but you worked so hard. How could you, you know? But I think they deal with rejection. Aww. You know, they deal yes. with feedback so much that they become open to it. Because when we talked about it, when your business failed, when my business failed, I felt rejected. I felt like this is a confirmation again that I'm not good enough. I'm not- That's the thing. I took it so personal as well. You know, it's like, like you're saying, the market was giving me feedback and I guess life was also giving me feedback and I took it all so personally. You know, and I think the best thing that I did for myself in Wealthy Money was like, I am going to work on my traumas and my wounds. So that like, and my whole thing was just like, you know what, this business thing, I need to be out there. But then my thing was still, I would remember how my first business had failed. And I'd be like, people won't like me. People won't buy from me. Oh my gosh. And I was like, but these are wounds that need healing. Yeah. Right? So I think what you guys are teaching the students is that you don't take it personally. They're like everything that can, that if the market doesn't like it, you know what? The market is not, is also so vast. If they don't like it, you can always pivot and go to the next part of the market. If that segment doesn't like it, you can change the whole business altogether. Keep the brand, change the business, change the brand, keep the business change the products, change the service. It's not the end. You can continue to change and twist and go in this direction. And, you know, for one minute, you can be like, I thought people would love, like when I started Wealthy Money, I truly believed that like it would be more men that would be interested in hearing about the money aspect of things, right? Uh, yeah funny enough and then I realized no I'm talking about emotions and money then it became women and then it just started to keep growing then I was like oh my gosh the mark like you know what there's women of color in Canada in uh, the U.S. in uh, Singapore all these other countries who are signing up for the course so it's not just women in South Africa it's like the world you know there's other women and it's women of um of color from different countries so wow this is interesting but you keep learning and i feel like sometimes the market determines for you like where you fall and where you are and you also interact with the market and you can fight back and say no this is not who i think who i am not who you guys think i am or you can be like i actually like that yeah but we didn't have that. And this is why this program is so fascinating to me. Yeah. You know, yeah. I literally brought you on to talk about this program. <laughs> I, I love talking about wealthy money stuff. But this for me, I just feel like because we, I think 
often we don't understand how deep our traumas are. And being in a program like this from a young age, it's like that constant feedback, that constant rejection also helps our nervous system to start to expand and open up to rejection. And, but because we went to then universities that keep teaching in the old style Mm. of like, you get an A, you get a C, Ah, you get a this. There's no constant feedback. We don't get to practice that muscle of rejection and allow our nervous systems to get comfortable with rejection. So we stay with nervous systems that are constantly fearful and on edge every time they rejected. You know, every time we hear a no, we go like, it's like death to us because we are constantly triggered. But now if you're in an environment that teaches you that, you know, even the best student will get a a no, a rejection, even a group that looked like they were doing the best can get a complete, nope, this is not it. And everyone in class can get a no. This is not it. It teaches uh, you that, ah, it's normal. Yeah, and also we we reflect our society exactly. I love what you said mm-hmm. about how we're taught about A's. Um, you know um, how there is a right answer, and you might, and, and that's mm-hmm. the only answer. Um, yeah, I, I think one of the reason why we struggle with entrepreneurship as well is that is that is how the attitude that as a society we have to failure. Because in entrepreneurship is about failing and failing forward, because that's what happens. Mm. You come with this, this business. I mean, if you think about wealth and money, from where you started to where it is now, it's a different business or it has evolved yeah. so much because yeah. you had to keep failing on the failing on the first idea and moving it. And then yeah. realize, okay, the first idea is failing, which is not failing, it's yeah. feedback failing and exactly we, it's feedback actually it's feedback. but we we take it as failure oh my goodness not many people are buying anymore i'm failing it's feedback and yeah. you evolve and you evolve so society's um um what is it society's uh, um attitude to failure and to, yeah. to, to things taking time also impacts our ability yeah. to be entrepreneurial. But when you think about it, yes. how long does the business really takes to take off? A normal business, there are people who just mm. get in and wow, and already. But yeah. how long does a business take to take off? So if, if, the, if the attitude of the society is that you must get a job and make money and, and, and yeah. build a home and, you know, and, and, yeah. and get married, have kids, <laughs> you know, it does not support an entrepreneurial society because entrepreneurship yeah. is farming. You plant the seed and it needs time yeah. to grow. And you can't because you're making money. Now you spend it. It needs to go back into the business. You need to, you know, manage yeah. all these uh, variables. But if the society is such that um, also yeah. people who are entrepreneurial are people who can't do it at work, you know, who can't make it at yes. work. You know, we don't make Which don't is make- true for me, for sure, guys. Like, I can't make it at work. <laughs> like, but, but I drive. Not- it must not be a failure thing, you know, like you failed at work. Yeah. 
we need to professionalize it. You know, people should yes. from high school and say, I want to make a startup business and I'm going to study for it and I'm going to be the business person, not oh, yeah. you've tried it and wow, uh, now that you've failed there, let's do this. But let it be a professional, let yeah. it be something that people go for from the beginning, you know, and, and yeah. understand that just as at work, you start as an admin and you build yourself up, the mm. business also takes that much time, you know. So we it really, really does. And like the thing that I will say this about entrepreneurship is like, I have seen as an entrepreneur how like what I was earning at other jobs uh, when I would do jobs. Like, okay, so I've had like for three years in my entire adulthood in total is my working life. Don't judge me guys, but that is still experience. Yeah. <laughs> From yeah. those three years, what I would earn in one year, right? Like I have seen how sometimes my business is capable of making what was made in a year in a space of two months. What is a year's worth of salary, yeah. you know? So I feel like we don't talk about like the capacity for growth within entrepreneurship. It always just shocks me how someone can go from like, I always use Jane as an example, right? Whom you've met in the village and how like when Jane came, came to me, she was looking for a job where she would, because she doesn't have a university degree, she wanted to, she wanted a minimum wage job and she wanted to maybe earn 2,800 or 3,200 rand a month in her, uh, like for working for someone. Today, Jane invoices people at like 3,200 rand a day for some orders, you know? So, and this happened within a, she got to this point in 18 months. Wow. So like in a job, she would still have to go get a degree, get all these things. So the the capacity for growth in entrepreneurship is unlimited, you know, and we don't really talk about that, like how it doesn't discriminate also. It's like at a job where you're like, oh my God, I need to prove for the promotion to happen. I may need A, B, C, D. In your business, it's between you and you. Yeah, yeah. I think that for me is what wows me is that like, wow, someone can think that I need a month to make this much money. And then like one day, like within a space of months, they invoicing at that amount in a day. Exactly, exactly. No so, longer a month. Yeah, so we need to move it to becoming as, um, what's the word? Sought out after, like some of these careers that people yeah. are seeking after really um, create, make it like that. So people feel like, oh my goodness, if if I really want to be great, if I really want um, to, to, to really see what I can do. Let me go that way rather than, Oh my, do you really want to do that? Oh, it takes time and it's hard and whatnot. And it's for people who are struggling. If you don't, you know, it, we need to change that perception because it's the only way for South Africa. There is no other way. It the really government is. There really is so high. You know, the government cannot take more people. 
the wage bill is too high. Yeah. I mean, everybody's talking about it. Big businesses don't scale up as much, so they cannot absorb sure. these people who are coming. It's the only way. Small businesses. It is the only way, which is why I don't understand why our universities and even parents keep um, forcing kids to go get normal, like all these high-flying mm. qualifications, no offense, right? We do need engineers, we do need lawyers, we do need doctors. But the truth is that at some point, most of those doctors, engineers, etc., will need to have entrepreneurial knowledge and a lot. And it's not so much even about the knowledge of entrepreneurship. Yeah. Anyone can go learn to write a yeah. business plan. Yeah. The things yeah. that trip us up is exactly what you're talking about with the students. It's like, now go make the money. Yeah. You know? And then like all those, the rejections, oh my God, why is it not working? All those, all that self-talk comes to the surface and now they get to deal with it, with with their group, with their friends. They don't reach the conclusions that I know I reached in my first company, which is that I suck at entrepreneurship. Entrepreneurship is not for me or worse. My My big conclusion was I'm cursed with money. Yeah. Like, in my family or people like me, we don't make that kind of money. And then like it bugged me because on my dad's side of the family, people were making that kind of money. Yeah. Yeah. So I was like, matter why? So, and then I was like, oh, I got these genes from the yeah. maternal oh side. God. The stories so we that's it. The stories right? Like, this is it. But the truth is, it's not. I just had to learn, unlearn a lot of things actually around money and heal. Yeah. And this is a great segue into uh, some questions that I have around uh, with regards to money when it comes to you. Obviously, you're working with young budding entrepreneurs and yourself. And I'm just very interested. What have you started to understand about money trauma? Like, oh my what God. is your take on money trauma now before starting the course yeah. and now that you've done the course and you're doing this work? How have you understood what is your definition of money trauma and how do you see it play out? Maybe let's not even just talk about family this time, but like, how do you see it play out collectively in society? Yeah, even? yeah. Um, I mean, it's a, it's a, it's a big a discussion that's happening even within society that when uh, the, the the negotiations was done on on the passing of power during apartheid we talked about mm. political power but we didn't go into mm. the economic power and and actually oh, yeah. people who, who who made more money were actually people who had money already um so who you know who made more money and i think as well a lot of things um then the issue of um you cannot live without debt you know you you know you can't you know everybody has debt Mm -hmm. i mean i could talk about myself that um i probably have i've earned more money than anyone in my family probably could dream about, you know? Uh, mm. But my, my, my life reflected how I used to live, you know, from, mm. with, with my family. 
still most of my money still went into debt i still couldn't save i still felt oh. anxious every time i needed to spend money i still overspend money on food because that's what we used to i still struggled buying myself clothes so it just shows you that trauma is you cannot throw money at it you know mm. you cannot throw money money is not going to solve that trauma the trauma needs to be yeah. dealt with you 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 know you have very rich people and they talk about how they don't spend um they they have very small cars and some of them is choices but some of them it's trauma they cannot move mm. from the idea of i will run out i will run amen. out amen you know i will run out yeah. i i i cannot live without debt i cannot do what i need what i want to do with money it's impossible to save you know um so you see that continuous and you also see yeah that whole what i talked about that whole um if it's for if it's a if it's for business it needs to be charity it needs to be money from the government mm. or it needs to like oh still, if it's for the community you mean yeah, if it's if for it's the for community the, needs to be charity it, it needs to be charity or it needs to be money from the government so uh we yeah. struggle even now resist students when they say we'll get money from the government i resist i'm starting to uh resist those type of things <laughs> yeah where they'll say my time <laughs> i leave the government alone how do you make money from <laughs> how people? can you have one client well, yes. and your only client and is i mean the government and i mean unsustainable getting meetings getting meetings you know this one has moved yeah. uh, the minister has changed and all that and all that and all. how do you run a business yeah. on on the government as your client so yeah. so changing that uh understanding how much agency we have as a people that even yeah. if you you start a business that's 10 rands because it's a million people you know Yeah. 10 times 10 to yeah. 1 million as 10 million rands a month if if they buy it once yes. but, but understanding the agency that we have as people the power that we have i mean and big businesses understand that because their market yes. is in the township that's why all these big businesses are moving in the township they understand the power yes. that we have with the money that we have but if you don't see it you see it as a no power and and i really think yeah. um yeah we've been sold that people who have power people who have a lot of money but i mean people who have a lot of money are changing their lives back to very cheap lives because i mean i was listening to uh, tim ferris and the money mustache guy the money mustache guy says he 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 circles everywhere i mean he's got millions of rent because he says i circle everywhere because it's it's healthy and then uh tim ferris says i walk everywhere I, i i took away my car i do drive sometimes but i walk everywhere and then you realize that your your life doesn't have to be expensive and extravagant for you to enjoy money but it's the attitude mm. you say i don't have mm. money and it moves from the attitude of i don't have the power i don't have power mm. and agency mm. over my life therefore that's why i think yeah. uh when you ask the definition of money i really think it's uh it's a reflection of of how yeah. you see 
really money is about it's a oh that is so fascinating really i i can see that right like i can really really see that i will say this and i as you're bringing this up it's one of the things that i've struggled with that like as you get more money you buy like a bigger house maybe because i'm constantly traveling so i don't get to live in places um most of my adulthood has been me living in places and leaving them right yeah. so even my apartment in cape town just bought an apartment in the cbd um in may and i i've not lived there like it's tenants that have lived there so i have like this i've never really i've struggled in my adulthood with the big mansion right yeah. <laughs> and as a money yeah. coach i know i'm not like i'm supposed to be okay with that but for me it's been something that i'm like oh because at the back of my head it's like i'm not going to be there for long so it feels like a big responsibility like i feel even with the family it's like wow okay it may be like just this big responsibility so yeah. i get what you're saying we all have such different ways of looking at money and those ways are a reflection of us our yeah. value systems the yeah. lifestyles that we lead like i think it it's also very much telling of me right yeah. that i'm like Yeah. I can't imagine having I don't see the need for a big massive like 10 bedroom mansion. You yeah. know, it is yeah. just like maybe me or like four other or like three other family members. Yeah. Right? I'm like four bedrooms is good enough. Like we keep it moving then because <laughs> my mindset is always like let's keep moving like this this is not the end of the house but there'll be another one in three months yeah. so making this investment is huge yeah. which so actually as you say that i'm like yeah it is a diff- it is a reflection it really and i love uh, and i'm 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 also like you i think um uh, in that sense so i think it really is a, yeah. is an issue of agency um Yeah. when you when you deal with your money trauma you 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 almost remove money from the pedestal pedestal because i remember growing up money was just this boss you know this boss mm. that oh my goodness we must pray to for it to come because if it's yeah. not here we can't do anything but but when you release those traumas you you take the seat your agency take the seat for example yeah that story you must uh, work and then you must have a car and then you must have a bigger yeah. car a huge house and, and all of us must envy people with huge houses and for a long time i felt bad that i did not own a house but i realize now that i am not that person i don't want the 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 the, the responsibility of taking care of a house mm-hmm. i i'm busy with my desk which we're probably going to talk about we're going to talk about my money stories but once i'm done yeah. which is next year i'm probably going to buy flats to rent out i i don't want to know yeah. i don't want the responsibility of owning a home i don't want to be fixing stuff um not planning to have any kids mm-hmm. so so i i i, I just well you already have a kid 
Yeah, I have. Yes. I always forget. My son is 23. He's an adult. He's almost like my friend or my younger brother because he thinks like me. Sometimes I forget <laughs> that I have a kid so independent and he feels more like my friend uh, or my brother <gasps> than my kid. But it was clear. It's clear. I'm his mother. And, and that's clear, but we have a, just a, an amazing relationship that sometimes I forget. But, and I'm grateful oh, that I have- that's beautiful. I remember how you told us that your son is also very entrepreneurial. He yeah. does his own thing. He's yeah. building his own business. That's beautiful though. It really <laughs> is. And um, yeah, so yeah, what, yeah, so I think I feel like, yeah, sometimes I feel like, but I'm grateful, what I always say is that I'm grateful that I had him so young, because that mm. also, I think that also has fulfilled the need to have a child in my life. So now I feel like, oh, I can mm. actually just fly, you know? So yeah. just talking about that story of agency, of yeah. that, um, there is not this one picture of money which is a huge house and 50 cars and, mm -hmm. and and acres and acres you can actually have very little and feel good because yeah. you you are not in prison to your traumas yes you know? and like I feel like we don't talk a lot about how sometimes um, some things can be trappings yeah. because we think yeah. that we need to have those things to show that we have money yeah. because now I have money. I need to go and I need to get the 70 roomed house. Mm -hmm. Like yeah. the big house is something that's like a challenge for me to wrap my head around guys, even though I do a lot of work in property. And I think that's why I like property investing because it's like you said, uh, Busi, it's like, you buy these flats, you rent them out and they make you an income and then you're free. You continue yeah. to fly. You continue to live in different parts of the world and experience different ways of living and different houses, tree houses, all yeah. sorts of you wild know? things. So yeah. I feel like it is different for all of us. And yes, for some people, money is having a bigger house and there's nothing wrong with that yeah, but yeah. so many of us have taken it that these these like the fancy cars the this the that that's what money is and I think part of that is also our trauma yeah. right it's coming from a space of sometimes we're buying things and we're doing things because we couldn't afford them as children and maybe we were teased. And so we're trying to placate the inner child and we're allowing our inner child to make adult financial decisions, That's which is so challenging. Oh my goodness. Because like 10-year-olds and 12-year-olds should not be making financial decisions. But most of us are reacting to our finances and our finances are being run by our inner child and our inner team. Yeah, so yeah. then the adult never ever kicks in when it comes to money because we're still so wounded. So true. So, so, oh my goodness, that is such, so, 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 so true. Um, <laughs> and, you know, I think what people don't understand about what you teach um, is it's, it's that it's so sophisticated. It's so... Um, I you don't know, know it's sophisticated, but yeah, I, I you know, people logical. think, yeah, you know, people think, oh my goodness, I don't know, I don't know what this woman talks about, or I felt whatever, but they don't realize that this is like a cutting edge of of research. 
into <laughs> trauma and people's behavior with trauma. I mean, um, every, I, I mean, the, the, as I continue to read things that I didn't understand when I was reading, I'm, I'm getting now and I'm getting that this is all that, uh, wow, Ven was teaching, you know, this is all that Ven was teaching. I mean, I was reading now the book uh, about, um, was it, it's not getting the love that you want, it's uh, you are what you need. And he talks about, the writer talks about how you can take care of self in your in a relationship so that you 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 are not a burden to another person and he talks about this issue of parts so, so he says um oh he says why do you find that you love a person and then and then you also hate them like the, there's these two parts of you <laughs> one part just yeah so rude to this person but the other part wants to come close to them and then he says mm. system thinking so understanding that you are a system and there are different parts of you yeah. so there is that part yeah. of you that feels unsafe with that person yeah. and the part of you that seeks that but when you understand that yeah. you are different parts and you can talk and take care of that part you are able to mm. even talk for that part so he says you can even say you know when you say this this part of me feels rejected or this part yes. of me likes you right now but the understanding yeah. that that's not all who you are but it's a part of you yes. and then that goes back to what oh. you about inner child and inner teen that you know when you say this when we are discussing money and you yeah. say this my this part of my my inner child feels like i'm back home and yes where money was a problem where money was kept from me and it wants to spend all the money and spite you against me going you know yes. and, and I mean, that is the work that you taught us i mean i'm listening i'm listening to this i mean there's this other one of the body remembers where it, it just yeah. talks about so the body remembers i just never rem- i'm not a details person so i never remember the authors but he talks about trauma <laughs> how trauma keeps you it, I it, think that maybe Basil van der Kolk, I've been meaning to read that book forever because oh people keep it. saying to me Bangile, have you read this? And I'm just like, aha, how do I explain how the knowledge around trauma and the body comes to me without sounding like a loony thing? Like I need to be in a loony, like I need to be put into a psychiatric hospital. Yeah, yeah, it's kind of called, you're right. Yes, exactly. He talks about this stuff. So he says, what trauma does is that it locks you in that moment. Yeah. So you, yeah, you, you stay in that moment. So he even talks about soldiers yeah. who, who, um, who are still in the battle. You know, they're still in that day yeah. when the bomb was bombing wow. kids or bombed their friends and they can't move. So, so trauma, so depending on when, at which stage in our lives it happened, they still, that part of you that's still sitting there. So if it happened when you were yes. five, there's still that five-year-old um, that wants to protect itself uh, from that happening again. So it keeps running you 
So it's that part of you that probably re, re, reacts to your husband saying we can't spend more money that says I'm going to go and yeah. spend the money because I'm not going to <laughs> there, you know, where there was no money. So, so, so yeah, it, that's wow. what I'm trying to say. That the work that you, that you teach is so, um, yes, it's so, what's so sophisticated, so very scientific. Um, it really... <laughs> so yeah so people should not think that you teach people to to budget or you know <laughs> you really get yeah. in there you know in in yeah. people's traumas and allow them i mean what we what i learned from the course which now i don't even use the meditations to do that what i learned from the course yeah. just to be associated again to be associated with my inner child yeah. And actually see yeah. myself as a child yeah. and see how lonely it was and see and see yeah. how what is happening uh, now is reflecting that. And that's why I'm reacting yeah. this way because I'm still, yeah. there, I'm still trying to fix this situation that happened when I was five. Yeah. That I, yeah. I didn't have enough clothes when I was five. Yeah. So the five-year-old in me just wants to buy clothes because I need to... <laughs> You know, yeah. I'm still a five-year-old without, without clothes, or I'm still... And a it's a five-year-old that goes into the shop, right? Yeah. Like, that's when... I'm so glad that you brought this up, because, you know, there'll be people who are like, I don't know what happened. I walked into the shop, and yeah. then I, next thing I know, I walked out with all these items, credit cards spent. Yeah. You were hijacked by your five-year-old. Yeah. Five-year-olds have no... Like they don't know how to stop themselves. Yeah, yeah, have yeah. no like anything about de- they know nothing about delayed gratification. Yeah. When you watch a five-year-old, it's I want this, I want this, I want this, I want this, and then like it's just craziness from there. And next thing you know, it's like I just spent forty thousand or I just spent a hundred thousand rand on clothes. What happened? Yeah. The five-year-old hijacked you, Over. and she went on yeah. a full on thing you know like that's why you can buy like three pairs of shoes that all look the same but one has glitter one has sparkles yeah. and you're like but I don't even like sparkles and glitter yeah. well your five-year-old sure does like sparkles and glitter and colors yeah. and florals yeah yeah <laughs> so yeah so yeah I mean that's what you teach is like um that's what I learned that oh my goodness that five-year-old because that was never resolved. They continue mm. wanting to resolve it. I never had enough clothes. Yeah. Oh, uh, I only felt um, safe when I was eating. And so yeah. I'll go eat. So you try the diets, yeah. they fail because yeah. that is my safety. I feel safe. How I feel yeah. loved. That was the only way I yeah. felt love was through food. Yes. So you can have the dice and pay all the money. When I feel down, the five-year-old takes over and says, it's food, it's food. It's <laughs> yeah. and you know? So, and who so, can yeah. blame a five-year-old? Like, yeah. and everybody gives a five-year-old food. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Like, they just give them what they want. And so that is the love language that she understands. Exactly. So that is the love language that she will go to. Exactly, exactly. And also what also I learned um, was that we repeat 
the situations that we had in order to resolve it. So, so, so the five-year-old also repeats that situation. So if you come from an abusive home, you repeat the abuse yeah. because you think maybe this time, this time I can yeah. solve it. So for me, the biggest yeah. thing was um, I am loved if I'm good. And then yes. not being good is dangerous. And so yeah. I, I, I became a pleaser. I uh, just needed, yeah. to please, needed to be perfect because if I make mistakes, then I'm not going to be loved and, yeah. and, and oh, it's dangerous for me. So it was understanding yeah. then that, no, actually uh, that happened and I'm not there anymore. And, and I can't yes. solve it now with these situations. Yeah. I can go back to the child because I can be in touch. Because what you taught us also was yeah. to relate to the child and ask them questions. I can go back to the child yeah. and say, I am sorry that happened. That was yeah. not That's not your work. Yeah. We're actually worth yeah. it. You don't have to keep yeah. it to other people. Those other people are not sorry and so, you know? Sorry uh, and so happened. And it yeah. was sad. This is what we've learned from it. And they are not yeah. there. So you're not going to get that from all these people that you're trying to please. Mm. I can comfort you. I can take care of you. I grew older. I mean, I, I remember talk, talking to my aunt. Like, I grew older made it out <laughs> you know it's okay you make I, it out of the situation, wow, the situation. Yeah. And, and you've made it because i've made it out you've made it out so it's okay you don't have yeah. to try solving it again um yeah. so yeah so that's what we do we like okay uh, at home they struggled with money so i'm gonna keep strapping myself in a situation where i struggle with money so i can solve it you know, yeah. instead of dealing with the fact that it yeah. happened, I'm sorry, it was not right, but that yeah. situation ended. Now I can look at life differently. And I can see yeah. every time that I sabotage myself that, oh my goodness, who, which part of me needs to do this? <laughs> you know, and then, then yeah. and, and soothe yeah. it. And, with that trauma so th that's why oh i'm trying to make it so complicated what what you keep because <laughs> wow who like you know i mean you we always talk about how men are kids or 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 you like you're in a relationship <laughs> with the person and you're like oh my goodness this is a big child but what and you the truth is they probably are they a big are. child because they are hijacked by their child, mm. their mm. inner child in that relationship mm. in that moment. Yeah, because the you child know? wants to resolve that issue. It's not resolved, they're still oh. there. So, um, yeah. so the work, for me, the biggest work uh, was, was around healing that child and then not needing, uh, not needing to always suffer because it was that uh, we always struggled with money. So not needing to keep struggling yeah. with money, you know. Because, because like if I, and the thing is like, we always struggled with money. It's that vow of loyalty to the family, yeah. right? Like we always struggled with money. If I no longer struggle with money, do I still belong to my family? Yeah. yeah. Am I still part of the family unit? 
because everybody else is struggling and we always struggled now i am different yeah and am i then betraying my family yeah or even how the latest one that i learned is uh the inner child said you leave me behind yes oh my gosh because she could only identify with the struggle and the you that is now growing and expanding yeah you're the new so you're gonna leave me back lonely and alone so i need to keep sabotaging you so you can stay with stay me the me that i was that's deep you know, but, so uh, but the family issue is so huge. It's that, I mean, I remember the first time I met someone with the same name of Shadwayo who was successful. <laughs> I was shocked because I thought the same <laughs> name was, was cursed. Like, I was like, yeah. oh, there are people who are successful with the same name. I, like, when I meet, I, 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 I must say that even even late, even in my in my adulthood, I'd struggle. Wow, it's so amazing. Wow. So wow, it could happen. I literally thought yeah. it is a curse that comes with the surname. But you yeah. you're pushing, you're ambitious, you want to achieve these things, but part of you feels it's it's no use. And so why would you keep pushing in that case? You know, like the part of you that feels it's no use is obviously gonna sabotage you right yeah. because it's like why will we then get up and do what we said that we're gonna do yeah today because yeah. it's no use it doesn't it matter what i do yeah it's just never gonna work out for me yeah you know and i think it's what you're bringing up Wussy, which i love is that most people tend to think that obviously if i want money it means that like um if i want money then obviously I'm going to go after it and do the work. And whenever mm-hmm. people are always shocked when they come into the money magic course and I say, it is possible to both want money yes. and not want yes. it at the yes. same time yes. with equal fervor. Yeah. You know? yes. <laughs> like you can literally, and that's where like you'll find yourself working, you do the MBA, you get the mm-hmm. higher, you get more money and then at the same time there's this part of you that is spending money like it's going out of fashion the part of you that wanted more money went and got the mba got a better paying job the part of you that doesn't want more money is working against that part and spending it as fast as possible it's like literally cancelling out yeah yeah and i think we don't understand that yeah. It's possible to feel safe with money and feel unsafe with money. At the same time, it's possible to feel fearful of money and feel grateful about having money all yeah. at once because oh, humans yeah. are not just linear. We're complex systems, like you say. Yeah. So we can be all these things. I can both want money so much and want the new income goal and I can both not want it and be super scared of it and guess what the super super scared part of me can sabotage the part of me that really really wants it you know it can make sure that the alarm doesn't go off for the new interview or that I don't send the invoice to the new client I never follow up with the client everything falls apart all sorts of things and this is where I feel 
this for me is what makes trauma so fascinating yeah you know because trauma makes us these complex beings yeah you know so oh wow i really really love that we're having this discussion because i think that yeah and that's when you realize that people are gonna get sorry what are you saying but that's where you realize it's uh, like i think it's about money but it's not about money it's so not about money um like where we always talk about oh children should be taught financial education i mean we did a BCom. <laughs> oh my goodness. That was exactly. I understand that like revenue. We come is. from there. Yeah. Not only did we do the, um, the BCom, so we went and we did the MBAs. Oh. That is teaching about money at the highest levels, right? And, and it teaches and us we, about yeah. the global money system. Exactly. And yet still. Still. And how many people have because told you about money? And how many people have told you about saving and about investing and about debt? Yeah. How many people? I mean, it's everywhere. I remember when I met when I <laughs> when I heard about you, I said, "Oh yes, how I heard about you was that yes, I was a coach running a business, not making money." And then um, Nom Devi, so in coach, um, I befriended yeah. her. And this woman is making money. Like all of us, like all the coaches, most of the coaches that I've met, especially who are black, are not making money. Uh, I was even part of Comenta. I'm sorry, Comenta. But yeah, some of the coaches that I met, they're not making money. And uh, the coach is making money. This girl is doing her thing. And then she talks one day that she worked with you. And, and oh, she actually invited me to speak in one of the retreats and she was speaking and I'm looking at this woman who is just so at peace, you know, with herself and <laughs> confident and she's not afraid of anything. And she talks about what she does um, without feeling like it's a boast. She's just at home with it. Oh my goodness, I want one of, some of that. And then, and then she talks about how she, 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 she um, then I think she t- did a post about how you helped her with the money stories. And then I started following you. And then I remembered, oh, I read her book all those years ago. Oh my goodness. Oh. I followed, you know, interesting. So I follow you and then I'm like, um, no, I'll just listen to her posts and research. Anyway, I'm a coach. I can coach myself. Um, I thought actually you just deal with beliefs, you know, that because yeah. that's because in my NLP coaching talks about, you know, beliefs and the mental language. Yeah. And, so, oh, no, she yeah. doesn't. So I'll just listen to Oh, of course. Like, like it's just beliefs. A lot of people yeah. think that that's what I deal with. I'm like, no, I deal with the body actually more than anything else. My mm. focus is the body. And so few people know that. It's like, because trauma lives in the body. If we're going to heal trauma, where else are we going to heal it? It's not a mental thing. It's it's something that needs to be healed on, and sometimes on a soul level, right? In the Akashic Mm -hmm. records, on the spiritual plane, but it's in the body. 
So word. anyway, I know that you are one of those that thought, I'll do this on my own. Like, oh, I don't no, need her. Listen, I'll listen and I'll do this on my own. Oh my goodness. Wow. Like I'm not going to pay someone <laughs> else. I'm a coach. <laughs> you know? And then the lesson that I realized, oh my, this is deeper. This is not about budgeting. This is not about no. your savings plan. And I know that you do that because you're an MBA, you know that, and, and you're good at it. But I really think that people go for the other stuff and that's the important part. When you, when you have the other stuff, you're open to listen. Now you can yeah. actually implement the plan because you've, you, are, you have yeah. sorted those issues that were keeping you from, because it's not yeah. like we don't know, we should save. All of us yeah. know. You know, know, you know, when you're going overboard with your credit card, you know it. You don't need anyone else yes. to tell you that. But it's the <laughs> issue um, uh, behind but what I love. You t- took um, the issue of the body. Oh my goodness. To learn, mm-hmm. uh, I mean, you, you'd say, um, yeah, listen to the body. Where is the feeling? Where does it sit? To learn, you know? To learn that the body talks to you, talks yeah. to you every time you it make does. a wrong decision. And, you know, I, 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 oh, I listened to a podcast uh, where someone is inter, um, interviewing Yuval, Yaval, the guy who wrote Homo Sapiens and these amazing books. Wow, that never heard about it. Uh, Homo Sapiens, Homo, he talks about the history of human beings. Um, he's he's wow. big. Oh my goodness, he's big. So he says uh, one thing that happened to him that changed his life was this meditation. I don't know if it was Vipassana or something, where you listen to the body. Probably Vipassana. Yep. Yeah. And then he was. Sounds like Vipassana. <laughs> it changes that, all of us. <laughs> he says that changes life because he said everything that we go through everything that we react to is in the body it's a reaction in the body and 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 that made me realize that actually the thing that i'm afraid of is the reaction in my body not necessarily what is happening Mm. outside so you could do something um you could do some you could do one thing and that's why Mm. someone says something and then you say but don't you think that was mean and they think no mean it's the reaction in your body <laughs> that yeah. makes it as mean or that takes it as scary or yeah. that takes it as whatever because that that's when your stomach growls or you, whatever happens and that is 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 an indication of where the trauma is sitting mm. so when you deal with yes. the trauma you can feel the reaction changes so yes. when, it, when something happens and I can feel my body changing, I'm able to say, mm. what is that? Where does it come yeah. from? What's the story, yeah. What's the issue. Yeah. And that is such a powerful weapon. And, that was you, and that's what you taught us. And it has nothing to do with money, but it impacts money, you know, because you can it leave. It impacts money life. because also, because as you're invoicing someone, things are yeah. happening in your body. But now, because you've taught yourself to listen to the subtle messages of the body, even a small shift, like I'm calm and now I'm starting to feel some type of way. Then you start to realize, oh, I started to feel some type of way the minute I sat down to write this invoice. Yeah. Okay. 
now there are resources and meditations that I can go deep, that can help me go deeper so that I can figure out what is it about this process that is annoying me? Because yeah. otherwise it's the body trying to tell you. Yeah. And what we've been taught, especially in this hyper-masculine world, is push through your emotions. Push through what the body is telling you. Whereas the body is telling you something. And then sometimes we push through. And that's why one day you wake up, you can never send another invoice again. Yeah. Yeah. You've been sending invoices for like three, four months. Suddenly invoices are giving you panic attacks. They're yeah. causing issues. You're having yeah. issues with that. Why? Because the issue kept growing and growing and you kept pushing through and mm. not healing it and dealing with it. Mm. Or one day you, you were fine charging the prices that you're charging. You increased your prices. It felt a little off. You kept getting clients. One day you wake up with your new price point, business is completely dry. No yeah. more business coming in. Yeah. Yeah. Your body was telling you that it's some part of you is not feeling safe about this. Some part of you is not feeling happy for some reason, but you push through. And then yeah. this part eventually just decided to shut down everything energetically. Exactly. exactly. Nothing is happening. Now the business is falling apart. Things are happening. It had nothing to do with the business, you know, it had nothing to do with the business or the pricing. It's that somehow the pricing was a trigger, but the trigger yeah. is something so much deeper. And this part of you is now asking for full attention, exactly. you know, and exactly. what we then do is we go from pillar to post because we think it's the business that was the problem. That is the problem. Then you do all the outside things. And none of them shift anything, yeah. you know, whereas it's yeah. like the thing that needs healing is within, go yeah. within. Yeah. Or you, yeah. the other part of you that pushes or push and you make the money, uh, but you'll make sure that you overspend it or you just hate it. Yeah. You just hate the whole thing because you, you, you are not in touch with your body. So it's just realizing that all the power is here. You know, all the, yeah. all the knowledge, all the wisdom, all that good advice. It's just, yeah, listening to this body and then be able to access then the message. And part of that is through meditation. Part of that is through journaling. Part of that, it's all these things that you taught us to, that really got into, 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 yeah, that helped us to access that wisdom. So it's not spreadsheets and beliefs. It's way, way deeper than that. Yeah. I love that because I know a lot of people think it is beliefs. No, guys. Like, and I will never, I have to just keep saying this, guys. I will never ask you to affirm anything. I will never yeah. ask you to visualize anything. I will, in fact, never ask you to feel, to change the feeling that you have. Because yeah. I'm really bad at that. Everybody has seen me be angry, be sad, <laughs> go on a rampage about things, have to pull myself back. And yet it doesn't have to affect your finances if you've done that work. Because you're feeling your truth and you are allowing yourself to live it. Because I think one of the things that I've been thinking a lot about is how like 
sometimes this work of like positive thinking has become the new religion that oh my god if i am not always on and i am not always thinking positively i will lose everything and there's so much fear around that would stop so many people from really going into the dark spaces and healing you know and that is so so important like we need to go into the dark spaces to heal we really it's unfortunate Yeah, it really, and it's also not about sitting in that space. It's about engaging with the head. Yes. You know, you you're not just like, yes. oh my goodness, days and days. Like, oh, I'm, I'm sitting feeling with my You know, I'm sitting with my pain. I'm crying. It's really about engaging with the head, and and sometimes the engagement is all about allowing the crying to happen. Um, yeah. You know, some some people are like, "Oh my goodness, I'm, I can't do this course because oh, I'm going to be depressed and not be able to work." Um, <laughs> you know, I'm not gonna. I hear you guys are crying all the time. Oh, um, but what I found, <laughs> you know, oh, what I'm gonna, so I cry all the time, but. I think mainly at the beginning, it's like that because there's so mm. much that you dealt with that you yeah. kind of have to face and and comes at you because now you've opened the gates. It's like you you're saying to your body, "I can listen to you now," and then yeah. it allows itself to 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 speak to you. And sometimes that is the pain, but it's it's really engaging with that pain. It's engaging with the pain. You find that it's really engaged and talking to it. What are you trying to say? What happened? Mm-hmm. Which part of me is is feeling like this? Mm-hmm. When did that happen? What exactly was it? How is it impacting me now? You know, and that's mm-hmm. the how is it impacting me now? How am I acting from that pain currently? And once mm-hmm. you deal with that pain. Uh, for an example, when I started my job, I when I started my job where I um, deal with people, and for me, the biggest thing was always uh, being passive, perfectionist, uh, don't want to deal with conflict, hate conflict. Yeah. <laughs> you know, we must all love each other, you know. But, <laughs> you know, we must all love each other, and each other you know. <gasps> But yeah, when you deal with the pain of, okay, I was rejected. Okay, this is the rejection that mm. keeps me, that that wants me to stay perfect. Because if I'm perfect enough, then I can't make mistakes. So how then does it impact yeah. my money? Then I'm not going to get take jobs that I think I'm not going to be perfect at. So I might oh. do this. Because... I'm so then you lose so much opportunity for growth. Yeah, because oh, oh my goodness, I can't be perfect. Or what it what what my thing was, I can't stay too long in the job because they'll yeah, they'll find me out. Like I they'll, yeah, fa- they'll find me out, they'll find out that I'm not so perfect anymore because I cannot deal oh with looking at me in disappointment. I can't do it. Like when I go back into my career and see where I would be if I stayed in the different companies that I stayed with in, gosh, I would have, I would have made a lot more money because usually what happens is that you get promoted, then you move, your salary, 
you get promoted. And because they know you, you've been in that company, they know what you can do. It's easier to move higher. It's easier. And yeah. just, even if you stay in one job, if you're getting 10 to 15% yeah. every year, that's a lot of money after 10 years. After that 10 is, years. after 10 years. Yeah. It's a lot of money, you know? Uh, I mean. Oh my so, goodness. So, so then I was losing the money by, I need to leave here before I stop being perfect. Sure. Or, or um, immediately when I get a higher position and conflict happens, I need to run away because I can't deal with conflict. conflict. I have to run away. Yeah, now I have to deal with people not liking me, not being happy with me. How are you going to make me? decisions uh when when you're afraid yeah. of people not being happy with you so yeah. it, it is not it has nothing to do with money but it impacts your money but the root it impacts is your money. not being yeah. more ambitious you know the root is not being more ambitious sure. the root is not then yeah. the cure is not being more ambitious the cure is not working exactly the cure is not another degree yeah. the cure is yeah. going back and saying what is this Yes. Where does it come? Oh from? my gosh! And that's the work that Vanity with you guys. <laughs> Thank you, Musi. <laughs> Musi, this is so amazing. I have one more question before I ask you. Ask you how people will reach you. So you've done like I mean I have seen you do the work. Uh, I've seen you be the woman who was, who always needed to be perfect. And we started coaching together. And then I've seen you be the woman who was like, then I went to work without heels today. You know? Oh my God. And like my hair, look, I'm just like wearing my natural hair. Yeah. So I've seen you be that woman who embraces her imperfections. And I've also seen the incredible financial shift. So everybody's yeah. probably wondering, wow, she's talking like this. So can you share some of the shifts either in terms of income? We've heard about the business breakthrough, but in terms of maybe income savings and debt, you oh spoke a little God. about debt. How yeah. is the debt journey going? Yeah, I was just talking about how, um, yes, it comes from the conditioning. You know, no one lives without debt. You lived around debt all your life. So when you end 4,000, you have um, 2,000 going to debt, and then you end 10,000, and then you get 4,000, 6,000 going into debt, and then you end, you know, it just goes with you. Yeah. It has nothing to do with how yep. much are earning um and then i remember coming to i was like seven hundred thousand in debt i had just gotten i had just gotten my um my pension which was about seven hundred thousand the year before or 18 months before now yeah. i'm like seven hundred thousand in debt and i think before the, the paying off of the debt i remember doing after one i don't know if it was a meditation or it was one of the session and i said i can't believe that i can i can i can see myself being happy and living while i have this debt oh, I, I remember that I, it was in a session you were like there's no way i can live and be in debt and be happy like, yeah, I think it was the realization that I could still, I think after the breakthrough, it was the realization that I can still be happy and be paying off my debt. Like, 
it's not the yeah. other. Because I think I used to yeah. take that to postpone my happiness because as long because mm. it was also the loyalty and the rebellion. So the rebellion says I'm not a yeah. person who wants to live with that, but the the, yeah. the loyalty says uh, in order to postpone uh, my living without debt and being happy, I need to continuously find ways to put myself into debt. So then I, in my mind, I could not see myself happy and paying debts. I have to postpone my happiness yeah. until the day when I finish the debt. <laughs> so I just get this breakthrough that, wow, I can think of my debt and still and not feel like I have to obsess over it and be happy at the same time. Wow, I can't believe it. Like, I cannot believe this. So when I started working with him, which was in what, 2017? It's not long ago. Yeah, 2017. I was like 700,000. Now I'm like at around 200,000. And I'm going to finish it. Yeah. Yes. Oh, actually, no. You, um, we worked together in 2018. 2018, eh? Yeah. Yeah, 2018. Because it was after the retreats, the very first retreat that I had at my mother's place was in 2018. You came to the retreat. So actually, it was in 2018, 2019. So, wow, it was last year. It was beginning of end of 2018 to the beginning of 2019. You paid off 500,000 rand in debt in life. And what happens is also that oh what you God. say. It's also what happens is what you say about money magic. Like something comes up, this money comes up and you're able to pay this and the magic happens. You know, you get a discount then. The magic also happens because when you when you heal that part, it allows um, the magic to happen, you know? So Yeah, because you know, now that part of you is no longer feeling like I need to stay in debt or I can't exactly. be happy if I'm out of debt and I can't be happy with debt. So yeah. now this part of you is resolved. And instead of doing the energetic work, because right now what people are not understanding is that those parts of us, are creating magic but they're creating the different yeah, a different type of magic yeah, yeah. you know they're creating exactly. a magic of blocking yeah. and yeah. when they start to feel relaxed and chilled they go from magic of sabotaging of breaking geezers of breaking cars to magic of attracting and allowing mm. and manifesting more mm. money and mm. i think that is that always just like floors me, you know, like exactly. how you heal that part and now it has a new job because before yeah. its entire job was to block you from expansion. Exactly. Now, it's now it has a new yeah. job to allow you to expand. So it does what it did, but now it's working for you. It's working with you, not against you. Exactly, exactly. So it was, I mean, now I'm, I'm planning, I'm saving, I'm planning on December. Oh gosh, home affairs bring my passport in time. But I'm, I'm planning it all. Of I think you should worry more about COVID. Than yeah, no, I, as, long as, as long as there's a curfew, they don't close at all. I'm, I'm in Europe in December. I can, I can save wow. for that while I'm paying the debt. I don't feel like my life has to stop, but I also 
don't, I'm not sabotaging my payment plan, you know? So, and for me, I think for me, the other way that I used to um, uh, punish myself with the debt is that all the money, then I will take it to the debt. All the money that I save, I'll take it to the debt. Then to ensure mm -hmm. that I don't do that, then I'll overspend it so that I don't have the money to take it to the debt because then I feel because like- Because there's nothing left for you, right? Yeah, yeah. So like this part of you that was denied in childhood yeah. from enjoying money and yeah. from having money, then goes into full on rebellion. Yeah. Then she takes over and she goes, you know what? This month we don't pay debt. Yeah. De because now you, she's like feeling that pain all over again. And she just mm. wants it to disappear. Mm. So she would just do that. And now once you started to heal that, you were able to have fun. And now she's like, yeah, Europe. Yeah. I see this yeah. happening. Yeah. So now oh. I look like it. I can plan a Europe trip. I'm very excited about it. If COVID, COVID, uh, home affairs, please. Um, I mean, I can plan my Europe trip. I can see that next year, 40 and, and debt-free. I'm finishing my debts. I can oh. see myself then, you know, going to property, uh, buying those flats. So if I can buy a flat a year, in five years' time, I'll have five flats that could um, support my living expenses oh you can buy a multi-let because your credit score yeah. will be on point you have a salary slip yeah. you are in this unique beautiful position of being in academia so your sa your salary slip is gonna be still there and guess what you're gonna be you can use that to go get a multi-let not just buy one or two flats not one flat a month, like one flat a year. Why not buy something that's like maybe five units, four units straight yeah. off the bat? So now yeah. you have four different units and you're fundable. Yeah. Banks love people like you. You've got a yeah. salary slip and you've yeah. just paid off all this debt. So you've, your credit score is increasing and yeah. improving so yeah. beautiful beautiful <gasps> the change yeah the change that now it's possibilities now i now i can oh. actually save now i can actually put money away and look at it and not feel like i have to create something uh that yeah. takes that away i now am comfortable yeah. with having money in my account and not feel like it needs to finish before end of the month yeah which is amazing <laughs> and also um conflict difficult conversations salary negotiations oh you know seriously really wow. talking about having the money conversation and i remember when i uh when i started um coaching with you i was saying that you know i'm always the bridesmaid and never the bride <laughs> <laughs> So I always be this best employee that supports my boss and we have these ideas yeah. and everything, but I'd never be the boss. I'd never be the manager. Yeah. I'd never be the one who's responsible for that department. And I remember when I, I got you Yeah, you know? And I remember I got in, I, t I think I started with the with the group work in September 2017, yes. Yeah. And, I, and I remember I said, I didn't have money. I was in debt. I was saying all oh, my money in debt. And, and then I said, I'm doing this. And then I said to you, I want one-on-one -on -one coaching by March next year. And I didn't know how. But so I said, 2018, you yeah. said, 
And you started September 2018, yeah. 2017 in September, yes, when I joined the... No, it was 2018. I know you think you started in 2017. Well, I'm terrible with, 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 with dates and years, don't ask me. <laughs> But then I said, six months from now, I'm doing your one-on-one coaching. I remember you, you did your prizes. And I said, six yeah. months now, I'm doing one-on-one coaching with you. Please keep this prize for me. And then you said, okay, fine. I'll keep yes, you did. I didn't know how. It was going to pass me then. Oh, now. Oh, my goodness. Oh, now. I mean, then uh, uh, is on a different plane, plane level of a prize rate. <laughs> But then it was going to cost me 6,000 rands a month. This is a person who has uh, 700,000 rands in debt. How do you pay yeah. 6,000 rands a month? Yeah. Somebody. But it was yeah. like, yeah, six months and then I'm doing it. And six months I was ready. I, I just started, we did that. Yeah. And, but I started in, 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 in September and I did the work. I remember I was crying all the time. Went to all my issues. <laughs> The first one was sexual abuse, which I thought I had healed for, because with my yeah. my with my story of sexual abuse, I was I I spoke about it very easily. I met a lot of people who said you've healed me because you spoke about it so easily. So I thought it had healed. Oh my goodness! Then went into money magic work and went new other levels of trauma. <laughs> <Get out. laughs> you know, on that issue, and then other issues, like other issues, other issues, other issues, other issues. I think that's the biggest fear that everybody has with those causes. Like you come, people tell you you've healed. Yeah. You feel like you've healed. Yeah. And then it just goes like, there are levels to healing. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and that's the truth. And we all feel like we will die as we're going yeah. through it. But yeah. then one day, we wake up, we've done the meditations, we've done the stuff, and it's like, phew, like, no, like, this is easy now. Yeah. But it is, because trauma is layered. Trauma yeah. is layered. Yeah, and when you say it's, this is easy now, you feel it in the body. The body doesn't you react. Do. It's not triggered yeah. anymore. There's peace where that yeah. thing was. When someone speaks about it, you don't feel like, oh my goodness, uh, I'm triggered. Yeah. So the, body react, the body doesn't react anymore. Um, yeah, so yeah, so I did that course and then and then did that work with you. And I forgot what I was going to say. So you were but, going yeah, to Yes, with, um, yeah, and then I said bride, bridesmaid. To sign up for the course. Yes, yeah. so I signed up for the course in September and then in November, I, I, I got this job where I was going to be heading a department, you know? No, yeah. no, I, I got, got the job in December. In December, the next year, I started with this job. Oh, yeah, yeah. It was at the retreat that you told all of us. Yes, yes. Because I had yeah. healed the issues of visibility as well. That's also what you teach yeah. uh, in the course, the yeah. vows of, in, of visibility, of invisibility, where... Uh, oh, I'm not those are so deep in South Africa yeah yeah <laughs> I'm not safe to be in the forefront therefore I make sure that I'm always at the back but once you've mm. healed what is that unsafety then you allow yeah. yourself to be at the forefront yeah. you to hide yeah. yourself so uh, my goodness yeah. has done so much for me I, I, yeah oh 
This really, really makes me so happy. And we did talk for a long time. I loved every you, second. You can so. do parts and parts and parts. That's fine. <laughs> I know. I'm bringing it as a full series. I feel like, you know, one of the things that I've learned about my work and myself, just in general, like I'll hop on on a live for the students, you know, and I'll even say, this is a random live. It's just going to take a few minutes, an hour later. Yeah. <laughs> I'll yeah. be like this, guys, this is going to take an hour of our time, two hours later. Yeah. But I feel like, and even in the way I coach, you know, like yeah. time is an oh issue. It's, and I re- I've come to realize that the way that I work with my guides and my ancestors, it's just like that. That like the people that I attract also have all the time in the world for this work. Yeah, (laughs) Like people like will sit and be in coaching sessions for hours, in a coaching session for hours on end. And he goes for hours. Guys, I don't really, I've never, I used to be a coach. Like, I'm in a coach for three and a half hours like <laughs> go on and sit with you and there are times when you feel like oh my goodness you've gone through so much it's like okay let's look at this question and like, oh my word if i will give you the time it's amazing <laughs> like yeah you give money's worth really but like that, the thing I've realized is I was having this with another client. She was like, she realized I was having this conversation with a client and she said she realized that that was part of how she has healed so tremendously. Because she said to me, we're only on session eight, on, on the eighth session, she was like, I've tripled my income. Wow. And then she, we started having this conversation and she was like, she thinks it's this. In a, like, how often do we walk? Because I've been traumatized by coaches that are like, I set an alarm for an hour. Mm. There's nothing wrong with that. That's how the coaching world works. It's like, yeah. we sit for an hour, people are busy for an hour. But my thing is, I work with Black women. We carry so much within us. Where do we get the time to just sit and yeah. really, really share? Wow. And like, really really allow and feel heard. I feel that is part of the healing. I feel like that's why a lot of clients and students shift so radically. You also know the retreats forever. It's just food and the healing work and there's time because this is, I feel like that is part of the healing. And people don't, like, I don't know. Like for me anyway, I feel like, Part of why this work is so powerful is because of the space that is created to do the work. It's not the work itself only. It is because there is that space. And then like spirit has blessed me in such a way that I have the time for this work. Yeah. You know, that I can give up that time. I don't, and this is where I think it comes in handy to talk about pricing and money and understand this as you're building your your business model is that I don't have to worry about, oh my God, am I going to be able to pay rent? Am I going to be able to do this? I can focus just on a client and I can just give them the time. 
And I have the luxury of just having one client a day. I can say, I don't want more than that because this is what I want to do for clients. I want to give time. I want to create that space because honestly, as black women, and I just think also other women of color, like where do we get the space to just share? I know that my clients often, the first 45 minutes, they're just telling me the awesome things that have been happening or the crazy things that have been happening. And then we're transitioning into coaching. But if, if I just had like an hour, then it yeah. would be like, I'm always checking my time. Oh yeah. my God. Oh my God. Yeah. You never Let's get to on. share. Let's move on. Let's move on. Yeah. 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 And it's in the sharing, honestly, like a lot of times it's in the sharing where we discovered the deeper issues that, oh, that is where the block is. Let's focus on that. Oh, I'm sensing an energy here. What do you feel about that? And that's where the biggest shifts come from. It's like, I think that is, for me anyway, why time has never been a factor, why I refuse to make time a factor in my sessions. Maybe if, it, if I was dealing with a different target audience, it would be an issue, I would, but I'm like, no, because where else is my audience? Like where else are black women getting the space to just talk to their heart's content? And someone is listening and laughing and feedbacking. And, and not feel, making you feel like you have to rush through. And when you think about it, yeah. trauma is related to money at time yeah. because uh, time. It, was, it was not healed because there was no time and there was no, exactly. no one took the time yes. you know, to talk to you. And it's, it's, it's only when you feel relaxed that that person, that part of you feels like, okay, I yeah. can now come out. Mm-hmm. There is space and time. And really, what is this money scarcity? It's a, it's a time issue. It is it? a time issue. Because if you had enough time, you could give yourself the time to figure out the correct business model, yeah, to figure yeah. out, to do the inner work, yeah. to, uh, to really feel into your business model, to really decide what you wanted. There would be no rush. Yeah. But what you're saying is really, really true. So for me, I realized a while ago that actually this rush being rushed is part of the re-traumatization in the healing process is that you never feel like there's enough time even in the healing with your coach in anything so this is why i'm like no this is why wealthy money is literally run the way it is that time is a never effector you know be it in the interviews in the podcasts when we're doing the part the property podcast we don't like I'm like please let us not rush another human being if the person is okay with giving us x amount of time please can we go deeper because that is has been part of our trauma as and I think here's the thing it has been part of our trauma as a species and we don't realize it And then it ties into grind culture and hashtag team no sleep. Oh my gosh. It's a lot. Like how we tie money to time. To time. To time. And that's why we struggle. Sometimes we struggle as black people. It feels like business is not our culture because we are not like that. 
We are people. We're not who give, really. We are people who give yeah. time. We 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 stand with you and greet you and ask about yeah. everybody. And that's why people say African time. Yeah. We find business so alien because it's not in our in our a, a culture in our nation. We have yeah. always been business people. Yes. This way, this way. Yes. Is exactly. alien to us. And I'm not going to lie. This is why I don't work that way. Yeah. This is why I like everything that I do within Wealthy Money is the way it is. I mean, you've seen even with the retreats, there is no time factor yeah. and people yeah. shift radically yeah. because for our. And also some of us are not just walking alone, hey? We're walking with our ancestors and they want to come through and sit and then you finish, we finish one issue, we're like, good night. And how often has it happened in the retreats that someone's like, and I have a new issue. Yeah. I am triggered. It's a new okay. conversation. A whole new <laughs> like conversation. three hours, yeah. You know, and I feel like, but how many of us have healed, myself included, from that? Yeah. Where we do the work, we do the meditations, we keep coming back. And I feel like I really think that the time factor is part of the magic of wealthy money. Like I realized it years ago that actually it is part of that because that is, it allows me to heal. And for some of us, literally, our ancestors are only starting to come into the room 45 minutes into a session because mm -hmm. they don't work with our time. So yeah. only now are they opening up the portals to help us heal some things. They've gone, they've delegated, they've come back. Yeah. And now an hour later, you're wrapping up the session. Yeah. Like Hi, they have had no food. time to be part yeah. of the session. Yeah. And sometimes this is like, important. I, can't I can't start this issue because there's no time. I can't start it now. Yeah. 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 So, and also uh, guys, like what then charges you, you will recover in no time. In <laughs> no time. Like you would look at it and think, oh my goodness, there's so much money. But you will recover it in no time and uh, in, uh, in multiples. I mean, I think what I paid you, I recovered even before we finish the coaching. Yeah. So, and also, also choosing yourself again, you yeah. know, like when you pay for coaching, it's not like buying a dress or going on a trip. Yeah. There's not going to be anything mm. tangible that you come back with, but it's, it's, it's that it's like worth, worth, worth cannot yeah. be, uh, you know, you cannot see worth, you cannot measure worth. Yeah. So it's saying you are worthy enough for me to, yeah. put, to put in all this money when i know i'm not gonna see anything tangible but you are worth it it's a form mm -hmm. of self-love and in it is in mm. yeah. yes oh it's funny i was having that same conversation with honey earlier where i was like i keep seeing that that like every time I invest in myself and I choose myself, be it in small ways. Uh, it's just like the growth, man. And I feel like all, of the, and I was saying to her, and I think what it comes down to is that I'm constantly choosing myself, yeah. you know, 
I, every time I invest in myself in some way, it's constantly choosing myself and mm. it's sending a message to the universe that this is who I am now, you know, and the universe has no other option but to step up to that plate. Yeah. So, wow. I loved this. Oh my gosh, Lucy, this interview was epic. This is going to be one of those epic interviews that people talk about all the time. I can just, I can just hear that. I can already just see Mizo wanting to have a side discussion with me on this interview. Yeah, <laughs> Love it, but wow, like I know it's going to be an incredible discussion. Yeah. Thank you for coming through and sharing with us. I have been telling some people about the work that you do at AFTA. I've already got emails requesting me to connect you to people. Wow. How do people get hold of you so that I can just stop my job and refer them to this YouTube mm-hmm. <laughs> video? How do people get hold of you and have this conversation? And I think also it's interesting because it's people that are like, I really love this. What you've said is great. Like I want it for my kids, you know? I mean, who wouldn't want this for their kids to walk out of university knowing that they can make their own money? You know, even when you come, because we have this situation in South Africa where you are a graduate, but you're unemployed. And because nobody teaches us and you can be unemployed for five years and because we are not teaching entrepreneurship or we're not learning it. I feel like it's not just about teaching entrepreneurship. Entrepreneurship is something that you learn on the streets on your own, like you guys are doing. So because kids are not given that opportunity when they graduate, they just, and they have no job, Mm. then they stay home. Yeah. You know, whereas you could be using that time on doing other things on the side. Yeah. Yeah. So how do people get hold of you? Yeah. So besides that, quickly, um, I just love this. that it teaches people because it's not even about there are people who are who are not going to be entrepreneurs that we train mm-hmm. um and but, but they're going to be entrepreneurs you know they'll yes. they'll not sit at home for years and not get a job they'll think okay mm-hmm. where do i go who can i talk to what kind of conversation yeah. should i have to allow myself to find opportunities They'll do the thing that, that I was talking about. Then when you get to a job and say, okay, what is the next opportunity? A vet was, tell, was telling you about one of my students who she hired. Guys, one of Busi's students, <laughs> we hired him to do one job. He taught, he created a whole new job for himself within the company. So I told Busi, I was like, there's no option. We have to hire him. Like yeah. that was it. So now we're hiring him. Yeah. I was like, Boosie, what are you guys teaching these kids? Exactly. It's it's the ability to go and find stuff yourself. Uh, Presentation is not a problem. I think students present like probably 16 times in six months because they present in their (laughs) own classes and then they present as a group. Uh, So, so the uh, talking is not a problem, but, but many it's the 21st century skills that people need to survive in any environment because 
The world is changing oh. all the time. If you can't go out and make opportunities for yourself, if you're not able to be given a problem and be able to solve it, if you can't work with other people, if you can't speak well, that's not the world for you. And I really feel like this, this cause is such the secret. It's the, this, this secret that's well kept. And it's, it's, it's something that just needs yeah. to be out there. This is what our children should be learning. Because think about it. A lot of people sure. have done degrees yeah. that they never use. So it really doesn't yeah. matter what you learn. But it's the skill that you come up with that will yeah. make you survive in any environment. So Amen. that you can say, I'm waiting for a job, but it doesn't happen. And then you sit and do nothing about <laughs> it. This helps yeah. you go out there and make things happen. So, yeah, I'm, I'm very passionate about it. Yeah. So, in terms you of, should be. Yeah, I'm really, really very uh, passionate about it. So, my email address is busisiwe.tlatswayo. No, so, without an H in the middle. At AFDA. AFDA, A for N, F for Phoenix, Film, Film, D for <laughs> Department, and A for N again. After, that's my email address. I'm Busisiwe Shatsuayo on Facebook and on Instagram and on uh, LinkedIn as well. Yeah, you can get a hold of me there. Yeah, so please um, tell everybody about it and bring your students. Let's do this. This is what our country needs. Our, our students, guys, our Africans will change things. Yes. Let me just say, I went to one presentation and I was like, wow, this is the course I needed. And like when I was signing up for my business science degree, you know, this is literally the course that I needed. Not what I learned. No offense to. UCT and all yeah. these fancy schools that I've gone to. I'm grateful I went to those schools, but literally this is the practical skills that I needed. And not just, and I want to keep stressing that guys, they ask the kids to go and monetize the idea. The kids have to go hustle, do whatever. I don't like the word hustle much, right? But they have no, to go that's... do the things and yeah. make their first amount of money from this product, you know, make their first thousand rand or whatever. This is amazing from a service or the product that they've created a business plan on. So they learn what it takes to make money and to do it. So they get to see how the market responds and then they get to do all that pivoting and changing and learning those skills in such a safe environment. Busi, yeah. you're doing incredible work. Oh, I you. am in awe. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> yeah. Thank you. I'm just so, thank you. Thank you. Thank you for coming on. Guys, thank you for listening. Thank you for watching. This has been amazing. I've enjoyed this and I know that you guys have enjoyed it just as much. So if you're thinking, I want to create an extra stream of income and I want to grow my extra stream of income, uh, the Money Magic course helps you do that. I have this incredible course called the Money Magic course and it helps you do that. And right now, the focus for the Money Magic course moving forward is 
I am focusing on helping people create a consistent 40,000 Rand or $2,500 a month in their extra stream of income using the work that I teach, the practical work, the emotional and psychological work. This is the stuff that I work with my one-on-one clients on. But I figured like, it is just incredible to start people off at 40,000 Rand a a month consistent income or $2,500 consistent income. And if you're already beyond that, the Money Magic course is still a great course for you. You can come in and just work on doubling your income, right? So sign up. I'm doing a whole masterclass on this and I'll be doing these masterclasses often. So I'll keep the page open all the time. So if you're interested in joining the Money Magic course, join me for the complimentary masterclass where I'll be talking about the basics of how I was able to increase, how I was able to grow my income and create an a consistent income of 40,000 Rand a month or $2,500 a month in the first two years of my business. And then obviously since then I've scaled it so many times, but that was where I started. And I was able to do that within the first two years of starting Wealthy Money. I'll be talking about that and how I did that in 12 hours of work a week. I'm very big on ease, guys. I don't do a lot of hectic work, right? And nor do my students and my clients. So you can join me for that masterclass at wealthy-money.com forward slash masterclass. Again, wealthy-money.com forward slash masterclass. I'll see you guys in the class. Namaste. And thank you so much, Lucy. Thank you very much, Ben. Thank you. I enjoyed us really. Yeah, so did I. Until next time, Money Magicians. I hope you enjoyed this week's episode. If you find this podcast helpful and enlightening, please can you do me a favor and go leave the podcast a five-star review on iTunes or leave a comment on YouTube. And of course, share it with your family and friends. I would really appreciate it because it would help other money magicians who are looking to change their relationship with money find this podcast, which would really make my day. Also, as a bonus, if you're interested in changing your spending habits, I have a complimentary ebook for you. You can download it at wealthy-money.com forward slash workbook. Again, wealthy-money.com forward slash workbook. Have a fantastic day further and I look forward to seeing you on the next episode of the Money Magic Podcast.